This is uh, the head at uh, Heads on Sticks, and uh, you've uh, tuned in to the uh, uh, the eighth episode of Heads on Sticks chats, uh, coming fresh off of the uh, seventh chat with Arch Femesis uh, in uh, March's guest, and uh, absolutely uh, I loved that, really loved that chat, and I think it was a really good episode. Um, but uh, now it's all about chat number eight, and I'm absolutely well delighted to be chatting to one and only Mental Butter. Uh, he's been known under some different aliases over the years. He was, I mean, his, his real name is Louis Bruno, uh, but uh, he kind of has a lots of different acts uh, that he's got his uh, his sort of, he's got his fingers in many pies, guys. And uh, but now he's going under the kind of alias of Mental Butter. Um, and he is a real universe, you know, he's kind of a, all of the things he's involved in, it's kind of like acid rock, psychedelic, cartoon, collage, craziness, and, uh, you know, if, imagine a bit, like, about, imagine a bit of Zappa, but like, kind of like, you know, sped up on coke, and it's got this kind of Saturday morning cartoon hell kind of, kind of vibe, uh, not, not, you know, not everything, not all, not, you're not hammered by it, but it's, you know, there's got a lot, there's a very healthy dose of um, kind of colourful, cartoonish scrunk. And uh, it's just a, you've got, you know, but underneath it there's a great pop hook and there's there's lots of great solos and lots of sort of, uh, some real kind of virtuoso musicianship in it, but behind this kind of uh, uh, animated facade. And uh, he's great and, uh, yeah, you know, mental butter and... Uh, and over the years, uh, we've kind of gotten to become quite friendly with each other because he is responsible for the sound design that you hear in the podcast. So all of those radio interferences and all that, all of that sound collage and all of that kind of uh, sort of uh, broadcast interruptions that I, I like to uh, smatter throughout each episode, that's, that's the, the, the brains of uh, Mental Butter under his I Know I'm an Alien uh, alias um, you know so you know I, I first came across the first the first I've ever heard of anything he'd ever did was I Know I'm an Alien and I was uh, I was really hooked and, and if anybody listens to my Spit and Static show you'd know that it's kind of it's sort of prime Spit and Static kind of, kind of uh, fodder you know kind of sort of uh, synth punk kind of socialist kind of tape loops and weird experiments and collages all kind of exploring a kind of imploding consumer society and uh, for anybody that's kind of feeling that as late stage capitalism uh, is uh, seeking more and more ludicrous ways to justify itself uh, that'll that'll be particularly pertinent uh, certainly is to me anyway but um yeah, I know I'm an alien. And I was, and actually, I didn't know what you look. I didn't know who he who he was or what he looked like for ages because they they wear masks on stage. So I, I kind of just, you know, there was just these two guys with these big cardboard masks. I had no idea who they were. Uh, and then I, when I got corresponding with him, and we kind of had a, a sort of a mutual, you know, mutual liking for what we for what we do, and we had a sort of you know a bit of an online rapport. And and then I kind of found out he was a a big friendly Brazilian guy with uh, with a beard and a uh, and long hair and a bit of a hippie cool, a hippie Brazilian guy 
and uh, living in London. And uh, and yeah, and then I kind of discovered some of his other associated bands. I won't go into them all now. We'll, we'll talk about it in the chat. But uh, yeah, he's um, but he's been attached to many things, and uh, he, he's in London now. He's got a new album coming out, I believe, in May. Uh, a new mental. It's called The Adventures of Mental Butter. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a you know there's a lot there's a lot to talk about. And I'm looking forward to getting involved in it. So, chat number eight. Heads or six chats with mental butter. Let's do it. Rock and roll. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's nice to be here. Yeah, great. I um, It's about time I finally got uh, the the conjurer of the of the uh, sound effects into the actual podcast itself. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I've done it twice already, right? Like the first first season, I think it was, and, and this one now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I kind of plan to kind of have that as like an ongoing thing. I, I love it. I think it just gives it real life, you know, gives it real... Um, uh, just because it just just very distinct. It's nice to have your touch on it, you know. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, I thought when you approached me, I thought it was going to be a good fit because I know you're a fan of my other project. I know I'm an alien. Yeah. And uh, and you know, every time I do it, like I'm I'm in this like mindset where I'm like I'm black dice or something. If that makes any sense, you know. Remember black dice. Black dice. Black dice. Like oh, black dice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like this weird experimental like. I don't even know what to call them. They're back with a record. Uh, but anyway, like, and I just try to get into that headspace. I've been listening to them all day, actually. That's why I'm talking about it. And um, yeah, just like, you know, the sound collage, like beats, the, yeah. the, the whole thing. And, you know, so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, man, you know, and yeah. be a part of this show. You know, I think it's great, the podcast and the guests that you've had on so far. So it's a privilege, you know. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, I I enjoy doing it, and uh, I thought about I kind of thought you'd you'd be into it, you know, because I I, yeah. I guess I have a feeling of what your taste is and why I kind of know what your influences are. And, um, do, do you have to get into a certain kind of headspace when you when you're put when you're um, setting aside time to do your collages? You know, do you have to kind of is there a little bit of a ritual, a little bit of a process for you? Yeah, hundred percent. Um, like usually I'll get ideas like by taking a walk. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take a walk and I'll listen to uh, certain music that I know that will inspire me. And then I'll try to loosen up, you know, make funny faces in front of a mirror. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. As crazy as that. See, I, I got that from some people in theater. You just go blah, 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 like you do some crazy. And then it's like, kind of like, I don't know, it just does something to my head. And But usually I'll listen to, like I listen to some kind of music I listen to music mainly for two reasons. Like one of them is like to feel emotions. Mm-hmm. And that's like when I listen to like classic stuff or like songs with like structure, melody and 
You know what I mean? And I, I, I can't even compare myself to that. Mm-hmm. But I like to listen to specific kind of more experimental music and that kind of music inspires me just because it's like more free and and as soon as I hit play on like like I was saying Black Dice or I'll listen to like The Residents. I've been listening to a lot of Phantomus uh recently, Mr. Bungle, you know, yeah. this kind of stuff. And as soon as I hit play on that stuff, I just get flooded with ideas and and then I'll start doing something sort of in the vein of what I was listening to. And then it turns out that it, it becomes something completely different. Mm. Yeah. I was really gutted actually. Um, uh, I had tickets for the residents in London, Ah, oh. but they pulled out. They had to pull out. So they're playing next year now. Oh, I mean, let's go together because yeah, uh, I saw them in 2016 at the Hackney empire. Like, oh, wow. wow. That was, that was a dream come true. I never even thought that was a thing that was possible. And, you know, Hardy was still, was still with us yeah, uh, yeah one of them has passed away because now like everybody sort of knows who they are you yeah know, that's homer, right homer flynn and i mean i wish i shouldn't be saying this but uh <laughs> yeah it's funny isn't it have you seen that doc- have you seen that documentary um the theory of obscurity a couple times yeah more than once yeah oh, okay right yeah because when you watch that you're like i oh, like you know you know who's who really you know homer yeah. like homer flynn's the well yeah we should really say should we but um... <laughs> i like to keep the myth alive but yeah everybody sort of knows now even like you know when hardy passed they made they you know like now it was like it was an anniversary of his death just recently and they posted a photo of him and yeah yeah even though he's still like they still talk about him like he's just a member of the cryptic corporation you know sure yeah i love all that i, I love that kind of uh, <clears throat> i love i love mystery and mistake and you know, I think it's really important yeah. to add that. That's my favorite thing, the like the mysterious, magical. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it just takes me back to before the internet. I don't know if you're old enough to remember. I think you probably are, but like, the, like we would only see bands and the music that we like, like every now and again on MTV or you'd buy a magazine. So like you'd just be looking at this picture of them and imagining like what they're like, and then they come on 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 MTV or something and do an interview and you like even the more sort of like normal bands they would still have some kind of mystery around them you know and then now it's like every you follow a band on instagram and it's all in your face you know every single thing about them they're every day in the stories or whatever but um to going back to the residents and that stuff like in the theory of obscurity i've been in a band like that because uh, i'm you know i'm from brazil and i had a band like that and i'm not going to say what it was it was completely based on the residents and we hit our identities and, um, and, and, and the people in that band uh, have sworn to take it to the grave. You know, we can't, uh, you know, tell uh, anybody. And, and it was good. We had some good publicity back then, like early 2000s or something. I'm that old. But, um, <laughs> and then here, you know, with this other project that you know well, which is I Know I'm an Alien, it's sort of uh, like now, you know, I'm like talking about it and it's my thing that I do, but uh, it, it did start completely as a mystery and like as a magical thing you know i don't I, I know i just like i, I want to listen to it more like i'm gonna look at a, an album cover and think wow i wonder who made this i like to not know who it was it just adds this you know and also like all most of the song i 100 percent of the songs i have i have to say are have like pitch, pitch shifted vocals and a lot of sound effects so you don't even know i, I like the idea of and not even sounding like human beings, you know. And uh, we, we do wear masks on at the gigs, and it started out as complete mysterious. Now, you know, it's kind of half and half. Yeah. 
Well, for for quite a while, uh, I was I knew uh, I know I'm an alien, but I, I put I didn't put a face to them. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. So you you, you certainly had um, achieved a level of anony- anonymity to a degree, which I think is quite remarkable, considering as you as you said the 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 world we live in, where it's just so secrets are so difficult now. Yeah, everything's in your face. You know, yeah. it, it sucks a little bit out of a, a bit of the sort of ma- you know, it's such a airy fairy word like magic. You know, but you know what I mean though. Like it, it sucks out all the mystery, I suppose, of of things, and and it takes away our ability to imagine things. And, and you know, you know, like it's like everybody's doing all our work for us. You know, when I like music and art that trigger my imagination and. But yeah, the I know I'm an alien stuff. I don't know. I'm talking about it now. I the thing is, I wasn't on documentary about uh, the residents, and uh, this this guy has a really cool channel. I don't know if you know it, the Res Tube dude. Uh, it's this guy in Germany. He's really nice, and he loves the residents. And he did a documentary with uh, actual residents fans, and I sort of came out with. Um, that's when, like I said, like yeah, I'm, I know I'm an alien. But if you just base yourself on the info around us that's on the internet and and on press whatever you don't know who it is and we all have like uh like stage names and 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 stuff like that you know Shuckable Arms uh, about a few weeks ago, and I know that was your first gig after COVID, right? That's correct. How do you feel yeah. being back playing live again? I didn't think I would enjoy it as much as I did, you know. And by the way, this is my with uh, Mental Butter, which is sort of an upgraded version of I Know I'm an Alien. Like it's just a nicer sounding I Know I'm an Alien, uh, a bit poppier. I don't know, mm-hmm. and. It just, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think I would enjoy it that much, you know, just playing live and just being on stage and, and looking at the people that were there and seeing them smiling back at me, you know, like, like mid song and, and then just, you know, hanging out after and talking to people, the whole thing. And it was just, it was just wonderful. Like I didn't, yeah, it's two years. My last gig, I played with a full band. I had a full band behind me. And with the drums and bass and everything and and, and now it's just me by myself uh ideally i would love to have a band but it just felt really nice and it was everything sounded really good as long as things are working and and it sounds okay and i can hear myself that's half the battle you know but yeah i didn't know i would i would enjoy it as much as i did you know going into it yeah I get that. I get that feeling uh, across the last sort of year and a bit, where the, the sort of gigs have been trickling back into the things where you get this sense where everybody's just so relieved for yeah. to be back doing it. You know, tour one hundred percent. Like to be fair, during the lockdown, I did a lot of recording, and I actually thought about just like never, never playing live again. I actually thought I'm just gonna become like a composer just sit mm. in the flat and just make albums and never play again i totally lost that impetus like i i didn't even i felt like i didn't even want to do it anymore you know so i kind of had that like 
this gig that you went to at the Shacklewell, it, uh, what it was is like, there's two gigs coming up and those two gigs were already booked like early 20, like April, 2020, they were gigs from two years ago. Right, right. That have been rescheduled so many times. And this one, it was kind of like a spinoff of one of those gigs, if that makes it like, mm-hmm. you, know, you know what I mean? Like the promoter was like, yeah, we got those gigs that have been rebooked. You want to do another one, you know? So, and because I, I feel like it was, I'm, I'm quite pleased with the result, but I know it can be better. There's a one, another one coming up in, at the Paper Dress Vintage in Hackney on May 13th. And uh, I'm going to have a new album out. So I'm looking forward to that. And I think I'm going to be more like, confident with my new material because i act the the songs that i actually played that night i had never played and played like played it to most people like it was like the debut of those songs in front of a crowd and like not only like a group of very close friends have like listened to that to those songs before what so it was you know what i mean i'm, I'm still like learning to play them because when you record them it's one thing and then you gotta, and then you're gonna do a gig. You have to actually sit there and like learn your own songs again, if that makes sense. So, so it was. But I know I, I feel I'm gonna be more confident, and and you know the next coming gigs. I got a few more uh, lined up till the end of the year. Nice, great. Um, and you mentioned that you know you thought about uh, becoming a maybe a, a just a recording artist. You know, with that. Yeah. But, you know, bands have done that in the past. I mean, the Beatles did it, didn't they? You know, they kind of got fed up with the touring and the Sgt. Peppers. But I was going to ask you, you know, do you think maybe was that a way, was that, was there, was you battling a little bit of confidence loss because of, because you hadn't been playing for so long? Yeah, of course. Yeah. When you haven't played in so long, it's like, and I wasn't even, I don't sit around and sort of like practice the instrument. You know what I mean? So like my fingers got weaker, if that, you know, yeah. uh, like, you know, when I'm playing guitar and the thing was that I wasn't even, cause a lot of these songs are very synth driven, you know, they were yeah. recorded on synthesizers and, and I couldn't work out a way of bringing it live, you know? And uh, so I decided like sort of last minute to play all the synth bits on guitar. Mm-hmm. So I had to work those out. So a hundred percent, like I didn't, there was that whole thing. It's like, how am I going to pull this off? And then also like, I don't even remember what it feels like to play live in front of people. So yeah, I was a little nervous. You know, you do get nervous. I mean, I mean, I think you get nervous because you, because you care. I, I can't see somebody not get nervous before a gig. It's like, it's part of the trip, you know? to the beginning uh what were your formative musical memories <clears throat> sorry um yes uh wow my first musical memory like right now thinking about it was listening to that song ebony and ivory by <laughs> oh, really? wonder and paul mccartney <laughs> i must have been like three years old i have memories that go back that far of music yeah and my dad also he had my dad's cousin used to make him these mixtapes and you know, I was always fascinated by these tapes and this like radio we used to have. It was like mm-hmm. a cassette radio. It was this, it was in the middle of the 
living room and I used to always go and just just look at it you know for hours and my dad had a tape that his cousin made my uncle and it I, I can remember it had some elo on it you know electro like orchestra yeah, yeah. and specifically that song 21st 21st century man right and and it had like beatles uh, it had uh loads of songs off of abbey road and the one that sticks out in my mind is that one song where they sing in different languages and that medley bit um the sun king mm. so those are like i don't know why like it's like those tones and those guitar sounds and the that's kind of the stuff that is with me, if that makes sense, like those three particular songs. And then this was in Brazil where I was born. And then when I was eight, we moved to, to the US and that's why I learned to speak English like this with this mm -hmm. like American accent. Right. And, uh, and I remember like it was the early nineties and it was grunge or die kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I quickly got into all that stuff that people were into heavily, you know. Um, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, Soundgarden, and all that stuff was big. And I listened to that a lot. I listened to, you know, there was, there was a lot of rap around as well. And, uh, you know, like Snoop Dogg was just up and coming, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then something happened. I had a friend that turned me on to like West Coast American punk. Right. And I went through a period of just really enjoying like these West Coast American punk bands like no effects and pennywise these like skateboarding bands yeah and i even that was my first gig ever in my life it was pennywise you know and um a guy stage dived and we were we were 13 me and my friends and we weren't technically we weren't even allowed to be at this venue you know i saw people taking drugs i had never seen that <laughs> yeah. was just, and this guy jumped um he stage dived from the you know and, and, and he his head landed on mine and i fainted it was a very eventful oh wow gig my first gig ever and then I moved back to Brazil when I was 15 and everything changed. Like my friends in Brazil, they were listening to completely different things. Uh, I had a brief period where I dabbled with uh, heavy metal that only lasted a couple months, like Metallica, Iron Maiden and that mm -hmm. stuff and a bit of Slayer, Sepultura. And then the real change happened when, so the next thing I got into was the Ramones. So that was big stuff for me. I became like obsessed with the Ramones for so long. I still love them. They're very dear to me. From the Ramones, I went straight into that good 60s stuff. So, and then that's what it's been like forever. So, like my top four from between the age of 15 to 18, I would just listen the whole Beatles discography, um, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, mm -hmm. and I think Jethro Tull. Oh, yeah, and Black Sabbath. Yeah. Love Black Sabbath, Volume Four, and mm -hmm. Master of Reality. That is like tattooed in my brain, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the riffage. Yeah. Um, and I did that for a very long time. And then in my twenties, I had this very uh, sort of anti all that stuff period. It was like, screw guitar solos and screw. Oh yeah. And Jimi Hendrix. I forgot to mention. Mm -hmm. Love Jimi Hendrix big time. And, um, and then in my twenties, I, I, I just rebelled against all that stuff and went all, it went the other way completely. I found the residents. Um, I got into Stockhausen, John Cage, and all those guys. Uh, all that sort of more far out avant-garde kind of thing, and uh, and and that was really cool. And and then I got in, in, into Frank Zappa, and that was, mm -hmm. and then Zappa became sort of my number one guy forever. I even got a little poster of him here in my room, and 
that yeah it's funny isn't it with zappa because uh you know you, what you're talking about you're talking about this kind of musical evolution you know that you've gone through over the years but with yeah. zappa he's got such a such a wieldy discography such an enormous back catalogue and it's almost like uh yeah he's got he's got he's got synthesizer he's got synth pop he's got he's got synthesizer experiments with jazz from yeah. hell he's got classical avant-garde edgar verez kind of stuff he's got he's got oh, the yeah. kind of he's got the kind of um the rock and roll albums and so there's almost like with, with zappa you almost um it's almost like the, the 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 sum the sum total of like almost like your musical journey, but in a in a in a in a back in a yeah. one artist back catalog. Does that make sense? Oh, hundred percent. Everything's covered. Like, because initially, like, I was obsessed with the mothers, the early, really early mm-hmm. stuff. Like, and I still hold "We're Only in It for the Money" as one of my favorite albums of all time. Yeah. Everything I make is somehow connected to that. Everything. I mean, everything. That's my favorite Zappa as well. All right. Yeah. Great, man. Yeah. It's the best one. You know, sound collage, um, the pitch shifted vocals, the mm. political message, like anti everything, you yeah. know, that's like my favorite stuff. But to be fair, like it's taken me really long. Like I've been into Zappa for 15, 20 years or something. And just now, like over the last, um, there's albums that I'm still only discovering now. Like, you are what you is from the year mm. I was born, 1981. I've been listening to that a lot, like as I was making this new music I'm making now, and just like it's amazing as well. And I never had gotten Tinsel Town Rebellion, uh, the 70s stuff. It took me a long time to sort of like you know dig through and get mm. in the middle of. And now I hold these albums like um, Apostrophe and Overnight Sensation as like my favorites, and um, One Size Fits All. Uh, from 1976, I think, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a Zappa head. I just love everything. I'm one of those guys. I, I can tell you a bit about the different formations and the band and all that kind of crap, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. There's some amazing stuff uh, there, but uh, I mean, that's 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 something I'd love to have seen. Oh man, me too. Ah, oh, it's mm-hmm. never gonna happen. Yeah, when did he pass? 93. I believe so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not early nineties, isn't it? My 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 aunt, um, my aunt, uh, she saw she saw Zappa. I think like in the mid eighties. No. Uh, yeah, wow. yeah, really jealous. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can only dream. I listen to live. There's a lot of live albums of his, mm. and I just try to imagine that I'm in the crowd and what it must have been like. You know, when they start like Peaches and Regalia or something. Mm. It's just so nice. And um, yeah, and then from Zappa, you know, obviously I found a lot of those guys through him, um, Varez, that I know he was really into. And then I got into Beefheart, obviously. And, but there's just so much, man. You know, I had a big Sun Ra phase. I'm a, I love Sun Ra. Mm-hmm. I love these outsider guys. We're talking about the magical, mysterious stuff. Sun Ra is one of those beings for me. I like those, like, outsider kind of, you know, that band Chrome as well. Yeah, I love Chrome. Yeah, I don't know. They have an element, you know, of Chrome. Chrome's a major influence on Spit and Static. Right on. Just the kind of the way they, uh, the sound design. Yeah, you know, the, the kind of the sort of melting TV sound, and it's the kind of yes, yeah, cr- I yeah. Can big, see that. Huge I love um, Helios Helios Creed. His solo I, stuff's great. I was just gonna say, yeah, I saw him here at the where did he played the. Yeah, I saw him here. He played the Globe, I think. Oh, really? Uh, in, yeah, in, I think in Tufnell Park. 
Oh wow! Yeah, I saw him. Yeah, it was great. He was great. I have his solo. I have his solo stuff on vinyl. Yeah. And another big band for me that I love is the Ball Surfers. Oh man! Them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I absolutely. Uh, I, I, I local support and technician. Yeah. I, I, I really think um, that that song Twenty Two Gone on Twenty Three is like <laughs> one of my favorite songs. It wouldn't fly today, would it? Like they'd get cancelled or something. <laughs> Well, there are some queasy audio samples in it, but that, but that that guitar solo at the end and the sort of farmyard livestock sort of sound. Oh man, it's, I I find it, I think it's really like a really thrilling piece of music. That actually, I think it's incredible. I love it. I love that. It's so beautiful. It's so controversial. The sound of it is amazing. One of my Paul Leary, one of my favorite guitarists. I would say Paul Leary and Snakefinger. Mm. um they're my favorite guitarists a lot of the stuff that i do my tones that i've done in the past is influenced by them like the slight slightly pitch shifted guitar yeah where it's like you got like a double you're doubling the notes and like one note is like in is where it's supposed to be but you got the pitch shifter doing the second note on top of it just a little off Mm-hmm. So it sounds a bit weird in a tunnel. And, uh, and I got all that from Paul Leary, Snake Finger, Helios Creed as well. Great guitarist. But the Butthole Surfer, Locust Abortion, like, yeah, I was saying about Black Sabbath, uh, Butthole Surfers, there's, and, and, and we're only in it for the money. There's something of the Butthole Surfers and everything that I do as well. Like they're my, one of my top favorite bands of all time as well. Like, you know, like everything they've ever done, I've listened like very carefully to, mm-hmm. you know, everything they've done and I, I just love them it's, it's it's funny that you mentioned sabbath and black sabbath uh sorry uh black sabbath and uh butthole surfers in the same sentence there because they uh did that sweat loaf yeah yeah that sort of sweet leaf cover yeah which i i actually um i can't decide which one i prefer actually <laughs> i'm gonna go with the butthole surfers version man yeah yeah uh, like they just did they just do everything better even though you know i love sabbath to death like mm. I just love the whole like taking the piss out of stuff that's made serious. That's like a lot of my, that's why I like, I love Zappa. And I like, it, it, this is like what people call like art music or art rock. Like it's, it's, it's like rebellious. And you're thinking, you're taking things that were made like as like serious pieces of music. And in, like, you know what I mean? Like who names an album Hairway to Steven or Electric Larry Land. Yeah. Like, I love that. You know what I mean? And I try to do that in my stuff, the humor, you know? Like, yeah. you're taking a piss also, but you're trying to destroy, like, things that people like to irritate everyone. I love that kind of stuff. That's, you know, um, going back to noise music, I love the boredoms and mm. Hanata, Hanata Rashi, yeah. you know, which was Yamantaka Ai's band before. Those guys that, like, had a bulldozer up on stage once. <laughs> Like, and they just bulldozed the wall of the venue and then they got banned from playing live. Um, <laughs> like he eventually, it's Hanatarashi, I think you pronounce it. I love those Jap- Japanese bands. Um, yeah. And, and, and then what I'm trying to say is like, he used to just like, and I do this a lot in the Unknown and Alien stuff and just like sample stuff right out of the way, like take Rush songs and then play them, chop them up, play them backwards and then do like vomit sounds on top of it. You know, <laughs> you, you know what I mean, and then and then have a passage of a Rolling Stone song. You know, I, I I like taking the piss out of the Stones, and and you know what I mean. I just love that like like sense of humor, but also you're like taking the piss out of stuff everybody likes. Well, yeah, it, it, it's dismantling the the lofty sainthood that we we sometimes place. Uh, certainly, the '60s. Yeah, you know, I think there is that there is this kind of 
wagging finger that tells us that that tells us that popular music was it, it reaches apex in the 60s and it will never be better than that totally you know and sometimes you you, you need you need a um, a butthole surface or or a mental butter yeah. to take all a, right to take a hatchet and just kind of and just take and just piss all over that it's like no no it, you know it, it's 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 good it's great music but it's but it's not uh, what was I say? I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, it's this kind of gatekeeper into what's like. Yeah. The. I know, I'm not articulate. Um, I know what you mean. Like, people hold it up as untouchable. Like, it's yeah. holy and it's sacred, and you can't touch it. And it's you know the residents. You know, look at um, around the time of um, the the Third Reich and roll. You know, mm, like wow, yeah, they took completely screwed up all these Beatles songs. Mm. There's a there's a song called uh, uh, Beyond the Valley of a Day in the Life where it's just sampled Beatles song. That's, that's a big yeah. influence on me. Right. Yeah, and, and 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 that's not to say that the residents hated the Beatles. I think they actually loved them, like I do. But to do that to a band that everybody loves, I mean, I think they just did it because the Beatles were popular as hell. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the whole trip. You know, I think real artists, you're trying to take the serious seriousness out that the sort of mainstream establishment decides that you, you, you know what i mean like you want to fuck up all the conventions and you want to screw that shit up like because it's not untouchable or like sacred and holy and divine it's like fuck that you know what i mean <laughs> i think the, the, didn't the residents uh initially before they kind of settled on their eyeball top hat um identity but they, they didn't they say they were the beatles in disguise for a long time. When I got introduced to the residents, like the first time a friend gave me some residence music, it was a commercial album. And they said, and he said to me, we don't know who they are. Some people even think it's Paul McCartney, like, and, and Brian Wilson. And I was like, that's bullshit, but it was cool. You know, <laughs> I thought it was, it was, it was cool. You know, I thought it was great. That's the whole thing. You know, they, I think they even, that's like a self generated myth that they probably come up with so that, cause it's so, far out and, and and hilarious that you know why not you know? you headed to london if you uh, about eight years ago i believe yeah that's true yeah you have an affinity with English folklore and kind of druids, gnomes, uh, paganism, the kind of the, the, the old, the old arcane English uh, energy. Did you, do you, do you, do you have, is that, is that interesting to you? Very much so. Um, dude, like, like, you know, so basically like the, the mental butter, you know, this like sort of, it's sort of like a new project. Like I've only released an EP up to now. And that one is like basically about that, mm. you know, like it was an album. It is in Portuguese though. Uh, the next one's in English. Right. And it is about English paganism and gnomes and stuff like that. I was just walking around and listening to the Piper at the Gates of Dawn during the lockdown. And I would see like how many people had these like garden gnomes you know, in their houses and, and like in the front gardens and stuff. And it was just sticking out to me. And I was like, wow, what does this mean? What does this mean? And then I had this idea of making music for gnomes, but very inspired by Sid Barrett, his mm-hmm. solo stuff, um, 
by, you know, 60s English psychedelia, which I love to bits. And, you know, like I've been to, there's this festival in Sussex going down Brighton way that uh, I've, I went to a couple of times, you know, like it follows like the moon calendar and stuff. And uh, wow, man, it's called Into the Wild. And I had a couple of great experiences there. And, and I got introduced to those things and, you know, and, and there were people there and like, you know, like English shamans mm. and, you know, we, we would do like rituals, like dancing around the fire, howling at the moon and all sorts of stuff. And it was like, you, you, you know what I mean? I'm very much interested by, you know, Celtic things as well. And, 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 and I find it just beautiful, like, you know, how aside, like separate from like sort of like the religious like church thing that the people have developed their own sort of folklore and their own sort of like music. But to me, it all sort of, I don't know like much about it, like to talk about it in depth, but the way it comes to me is through like the music that I like and it, and it you, you, know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, mainly like these guys in the 60s that were like digging deep, you know, like I was saying, Sid Barrett, I think Procol Harum, and um, who else? Uh, I know, uh, Donovan, I think, to some extent. I don't know if you're in a Donovan, you know, like Sunshine Superman and all that. Yeah, it's definitely been some it's, it's some interesting uh, thematic guidance, isn't it, for the, uh, for the 60s Brits, the 60s psychedelic... Uh, uh, generation totally yeah I, lo- I love anything related to mysticism you know i'm always down i'm interested you know and in, and in, in understanding sort of like the local sort of uh traditions and and you know and diving deep into that stuff i'm a, i meditate every day mm-hmm. and you know i'm always reading books of that nature of like spirituality and things like that and to hear about how the people like this is a very very magical land i had a period of time that I that I lived here you know I lived like near the Barbican and I would go to the Museum of London a lot yeah and I learned about the symbolism and the dragon and what it means and about secret societies I got into like theosophy and the occult and you know and a lot of that stuff was done here there's this guy called Charles Ledbetter you know he was one of the big guys in the theosophical society uh English guy along with um, Madame Blavatsky you know yeah. Some of these people were, you know, I don't know, you, you, so you probably know about this and, and like how all the, and, and, and Crowley and all that stuff. So I really, I was getting heavily into that. And in my research, I stumbled upon like, you know, it, it, it all went back to Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I've always had this dream of sort of like meeting Jimmy, Jimmy Page when I was like 18 or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing this research. I'm learning about English paganism and folklore and secret societies and stuff. And I'm reading this big book about Alistair Crowley and I have other books on him and all the stuff he wrote. And, you know, Jimmy Page, obviously we all know, you know, he's into that. And I ended up meeting him. I went, I found out, I found out where he, where he lived. Okay, and I, on a, I, wasn't, I, was, I wasn't doing anything on this particular day. I just went to South Kensington and I just found where his house was that he lived since 1972 or something. And when I got there, he was just arriving home. And um, I got to say hi to Jimmy Page. And I don't even know why I told that story or what that even means. But uh, I don't know. He's somehow a dude that I think, like, I moved here because of this kind of stuff, if I'm really honest. You know what I mean? Because of Led Zeppelin, because of the Kinks, and because of, like, the Rolling Stones, those couple of albums there between the Buttons and Satanic Majesty's Mm -hmm. Request, you know, 
those are all magical sort of albums. I'm like, there's something about that land, you know, the, the foggy sort of grayness. It just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, uh, you're, you're a bit of an Anglophile. <laughs> yeah. A lot of me and my friends down in uh, south of Brazil, where we're from, like, because, you know, we're, we're sitting listening to this kind of stuff and it's like 40 degrees out. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, like, and, and it's, it was, it, I found it wonderful to come here and actually experience, like, you know, I live in North London and I get to walk, like, we ran into Ray Davies already, like, a few times in the street. He lives around mm-hmm. here. And, yeah. And I get to actually see the sights and, and feel what the weather is like to, to just understand what kind of like environment he was when he wrote, you know, when the Kinks and all these guys, when they wrote all these songs, you know? What, what do you think is the British sensibility in pop music? What, did, did you, do you have an idea on that? Or do you have a, do you have a grasp on that in your, in, subjectively to you? I think harmonies, yeah. yeah. Great harmonies, you know? Like if you take like um, the Green, uh, we're the Village Green Preservation Society. Mm. I mean, they are like, it's beautiful it's beautiful sounding songs great <clears throat> excuse me um chord progressions you know great use of the mellotron i love the mellotron it sounds it's just so english to me you know what i mean the sound of like sampled flutes like strawberry fields that's like one of my favorite songs of all time you know it's gorgeous isn't it, it there's something really um haunting and gorgeous about like a, a the weathered me- mellotron that weathered yes. tape sound I, I i i can never get enough of it the mellotron not you not used enough exactly yeah i've been using mellotron but it's midi i can't afford to get a real one you oh, know? Sure. but um I've, I've been using it one day i went like screw this i'm gonna start using it i thought it was cheating but now like you get really good sounding ones but it's that like going back to that it's just a beautiful melancholy you know and i was just talking to an, an english friend of mine she just rang me today and we're talking about like a lot of people when I say like, why, why do you live here, man? And I'm like, and you're, you've lived in Miami where it's like hot and sunny all the time in Brazil it's hot and sunny. And I've always, I've always, and I was just telling her that um, like, I was that guy, like who I can barely swim properly. Like, you yeah. know, like I'm that guy who's wearing a black t-shirt and, and, and I'm just like a city dude, you know? And, and like my mind is just, I don't know. I just feel like I fit in better here, if that makes any sense, you know, like because of that stuff, that melancholy, but it's beautiful. Like I'll cry listening to this, to this stuff, you know, those Beatles songs, like, like, you know, in my life, you know, from mm-hmm. Rubber Soul. And yeah. I just love all that. I think it's beautiful and it's trippy and it's sad and it really reflects the people, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the inhabitants of the land. <laughs> few years ago you had your uh, the very best of uh, louis bruno album yeah uh and now you've got mental butter can you tell me what the differences are yes yes i can so when i moved here i was just playing with different people so i moved here in 2013 or 14 14 yeah um and then i was in this guy's band playing his stuff and i thought hey you know what i'm just gonna play my my own music mm-hmm. and then that's when I started, I know I'm an alien. It was just cause I was just pissed off at some stuff and I needed an outlet for that. Yeah. But then I recorded a song it's on the 
very uh, what's it called again um the very best of louis bruno <laughs> i have it yeah it came, it came it came um but it's also called it's the very best of louis bruno and then it's also called everything's fine and it's got like two names for some reason uh and and so um it's it came out on vinyl and everything and the, the the thing was that one song on there, the first song that kicked it all off was a song called Yeah. I didn't even want to name it that, but um, I just recorded that song for fun. And I sent it to a friend who said, wow, you should really record this properly, get it mixed professionally and just do something with it. And it somehow reached a friend of mine's ears who walked into the studio and the guy who was mixing it for me played it to him. And he was just starting a record label. And then he decided, it's like, dude, just make more of that. So that whole album is us, is, is sort of like, cause I've always been sort of like an underground outsider, sort of experimental. Mm. So that whole album was just me trying to make a, a type of music that I had never sort of uh, made before. And it's very eighties influenced. So I, because you know, this whole musical journey that we just talked about, I completely ignore the 80s. It was very uncool for me and my friends and the people I was around at the time. It was very uncool to like the 80s for some reason, right? Because it was the music that we heard in our parents' cars. Yeah, yeah. And it was the music that, you know, and it was very uncool growing up in the 90s and late 90s and early 2000s. We, you had, if you were cool, you had to like the 60s or the 70s. But you stopped at the 80s and you could like the 90s, right? So, and then I just started getting into all this stuff and all of a sudden I'm listening to music that I knew word for, I could, you know, I knew all the lyrics to, but I just ignored and I started, you know, and I bought a really old drum machine from a guy on Gumtree, like from 1984. And I I was just trying to really emulate these sounds of the eighties. And I, and I, and I had a mass, I was listening to a lot of Devo. Yeah. And I was listening to a lot of talking heads and even, you know, shitty things like, you know, not, not shitty, but like, you know, like Billy Idol. And mm. I was getting into all that, you know what I'm saying? Like really corny, sort of cheesy, like mainstream stuff. And, and, and just trying to like emulate the sound of the snare and, and, and this kind of thing. So it was, I was just doing that. It was, and, and it felt good because it was like a new thing and it was out of my comfort zone. Because up until that point in Brazil and the bands I was in, it was all like psychedelic rock very 60s influenced you know mm. so and then right so i did that for a while and you know and we had some good things happen and and, and, and we you know uh we even almost had a, a, a an english label was going to release it and then they weren't and and then i don't know i keep alternating between this and i know i'm an alien it's my two main things i know i'm an alien is like when i'm really angry and i want to like you know so I just kind of stopped doing that because it didn't sort of result into what I was expecting it to result in. Like, you know what I mean? I was too attached to the outcome. Yeah. And what ended up, and I did a few gigs to put a band together and we played all those songs. And then I went, I went back to I Know I'm an Alien after three years of just doing the Louis Bruno stuff. And, uh, and then the pandemic hit, right? Right. And then the pandemic hit and all of it got interrupted and i started doing this crazy emdr therapy i don't know if you heard about this it's like it's like trauma healing stuff uh no no with, with a psychologist basically you go back and you revisit painful situations and you try to change how you see yourself you try to change your perception okay and what that ended up happening was it just completely twisted my head and it did a it did a number on me and and and, went, and i just went back to 
my childhood all of a sudden and I decided to ditch this name Louis Bruno which I thought was too formal it's like my name like you know like my name that's the name in my passport and shit mm. you know what I mean and then I went completely the other way and I took on my you know Lule which is my childhood nickname but and then I decided to add Mel Butter because you know fuck it you know I think like I have this thing where you know I took that off of a painting you know a friend of mine did a painting that said Mel Butter on it I thought I'm gonna use this as my surname because fuck it like you know things are too serious i always have to have like a fuck it bit in things where like you know like the butthole surfers and all that yeah like i have to have an element of it where like it can't be too serious so i thought the louis bruno stuff was a bit too serious even though it wasn't and so this is what the metal butter is now so you know i'm taking this on and it's become like this sort of cartoon music so basically right now this new album i got coming out is it takes some of the things from the Louis Bruno stuff, like the drum machines and the 80s sort of 80s aesthetic. It combines it with psychedelia. And the new element is like, I'm trying to make this music that would fit into an imaginary like cartoon soundtrack. Well, and, I was actually going to ask you, you know, you know <laughs> Mark Mothersbaugh had a whole yeah. career in uh, kids' cartoon theme tunes. I, I was- love that. Yeah. Uh, Rocco's Modern Life. Um, he did all that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Have you ever considered uh, making a bit of making a sort of uh, a bit of an income in writing writing for kids TV or something? I have. I actually uh, took a course during the lockdown at Goldsmiths. Um, it was like oh, wow. a comp- composing for film. I think it was yeah. called. That's when I decided that it was okay to use MIDI. Uh-huh. I was a, I was a lot like you know if I'm gonna have a piano in this song it must be a real piano and then I thought you know what fuck that look at all there were all the kids in the class they were all you know they had big orchestral symphonic arrangements and shit and I was like if they're doing it I'm gonna do it so it, it did open my mind like that and uh, and then it kind of stopped you know I stopped thinking about it uh, very much but you know you're actually right you're not the first person to say that and I think I did that motivated by somebody telling me the same thing and. Uh, yeah and then you know also the flaming lips as well a lot of their mm-hmm. stuff is midi and i was like mm-hmm. well you know and but i like that the, the cartoony aspect you know like, i love listening to like spongebob squarepants soundtrack music the old like um scott bradley stuff that was like on tom and jerry and those you know ray bradbury uh droopy cartoons you know from the 50s and 60s and just the sound effect. i use the shit out of those sound effects you know the bbc has just uh uh let everybody use their uh, sound effects library forever. Like, so there's like 60s sound, like there's sampling of like things like people burping and farting and, 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 and shit that was done in this, recorded in the 60s. And it's all over my new stuff and I can't get enough of it, you know. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that they'd done that, you know. Um, did, you watch a lot of, did you watch a lot of cartoons growing up? I was practically practically raised by cartoons. I think, <laughs> you know, like uh, in my childhood, and you know, my both of my parents they worked a lot, and mm-hmm. you know, so I, most of my time it was just me sat in front of the TV. You know, like Homer Simpson when they go back to his old house, and there's still like the shadow, his like where he sat in front yeah, of the yeah, TV, yeah. it was still yeah. there. That was kind of like me, you know, like I would just watch so much cartoons, and I just love. I ate that stuff up. I love it, you know. I tried to introduce my nephew. My nephews, uh, they're five and six. And I tried to introduce them to Ren and Stimpy. Oh, I lo- oh, man. I was just listening to the whole Ren and Stimpy soundtrack just like last week. It's, it's amazing. Well, yeah, because uh, Nickelodeon released some CDs, didn't they? And uh, <laughs> it's the Screaming Lederhosen, isn't it? That, 
think so, yeah. That's like the fake band they put together. For, but do you know what? Like, I was this close to... Um, I, I might still do it, actually. I don't know. But I, I was thinking about um, suggesting a, a Ren and Stimpy radio show for... You know, I do I do radio for, for news radio in Bristol. Nice. And I, I was thinking about it, but, I, you know, the whole... I felt queasy about it because of the whole um, John Christopher Lucy controversy, you know? He was a sexual predator. Right. Yeah, and, and it all came out that he had um, been uh, a, a predatory to young interns. And uh, it's really oh. disappointing. Yeah, it's really devastating. But um, <laughs> but you know, I kind of thought, well, maybe maybe you could do it in a way where it's like you're 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 celebrating the artistry of everyone around it because it's such a shame that like one man can just like trash everyone else's hard work on that cartoon. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I know there's a documentary about it now, right? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and, and oh, you address it. it on that. Oh, yeah. right, I have to see it. But yeah, man, there's so much of that. I mean, if you go back to the Mothers of Invention, Roy Roy Estrada, the original bass player, who we thought was a great dude, he he's in jail right now for, right. for he's a pedophile. It's like yeah, it's so annoying. Like it ruins everything. You're like, dude, and you feel like what am I like? You know, like Ariel Pink is like, can I? Is it okay to listen to him? You know. Oh yeah, right, and and um, whatever you know. I'm not comparing, you know. Pe- obviously, being a pedophile is a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but also, you know, it's like even. I think that there is a reckoning going on, isn't there? And and there is a reckoning about, and it goes back to the kind of the saintliness of 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 the untouchable rock stars that we talked about earlier. But you know, David Bowie, Iggy Pop. We know, we know these guys were yeah. sleeping with underage girls. We know that, you know, and it. And it it does need to be more acknowledged when we, when we fawn and praise these guys, you know. And because I, and I say that as a Bowie fan, I say that as a Nicky Pop fan, you know. Yes. Yeah, I, it's it's yeah, it's a reckoning is happening really, and I think uh, it's, it's about time. I agree. Yeah, you're a prolific artist, right? And uh, I'm going to... Do you mind if I reel off some of the bands that I think you've been in? Yes, that's all right. Right, let's do it. So, we know Louis Bruno. That's you. We know Mental Butter. I know I'm an alien. Mystic Police. Yes, yes. We had Mystic Police for a bit. Released yeah. one one single. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of songs that never came out. <laughs> oh, I'll just say, if I, if I reel them off, are you, are you able to just kind of give me a little brief, like... What's the first thing you think about when you think of these these are these actually being involved in? So when I say Mystic Police, what 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 do you think of when I, when I first say that? I think of James, the drummer, um, really nice guy. Actually, should speak to him soon. Uh, he used to drum with Arthur Brown. Oh wow! Yeah, like not back in the day. Oh, I, I guess because so. he's still gone. <laughs> he's yeah, not yeah. that old. Well, you know, he couldn't been. I, I saw Arthur Brown. Really? Yeah, Glastonbury. Yeah, he came up with it. He had his fire hat on. It was great. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, I love He's that. Doing it, man. He's still doing it. Yeah, James was in Arthur Brown's band for like 10 years. Oh, wow. And uh, we had a song. We had a Mystic Police theme song. There were other songs, and we had just had demos. And it, it kind of came out of the Louis. So I had the Louis Bruno stuff, and I got James to drum on it for me. And then we decided to make that into a band, and it became the Mystic Police. Yeah, that's where it was. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Forgive my pronunciation, but um, 
Cabeca uh, Locotrona. Yes, uh, Cabeça Locotrona. There yes. <laughs> That's me and my friend Gabriela Tacchini mm -hmm. from Porto Alegre, where I'm from in Brazil. She yeah. was a drummer in another one of my bands. Let's see if you're going to. Oh, right. if, if it's if it's in there and it's just a duo it's just me and her and we just did one album like seven songs and uh i don't even know what the inf what it was influenced by but it was a fun time it lasted a few months right um brother low elephant grass oh that was my first thing i made when i came here to london yeah right. i had um two i had sheila stocking the mm. drummer and she was great And um, Benjamin Lynch, he's up in Manchester now, was a bass player. And yeah. it was really lo-fi sounding stuff. We played a few shows, but like the really bad ones, you know, when I moved here, I didn't know how, how to do gigs. And I was doing these, you know, that everybody does like in Soho and shit. Mm. You're, you're in a bill with like eight bands or something. And <laughs> yeah. A great name. Oh, thank you. It kind of reminds me, it, it kind of, it does remind me of that kind of 60s, culture where bands had like long names like yeah, strawberry think, alarm clock uh, yeah the, the mothers of invention big brother and the holding company you know i think i think yeah. brother low elephant grass fits right in there you know oh that was the aim 100 yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um walter willie right that has been my pseudonym like my sort of secret artist name since i was like 20 Right. And I've recorded a bunch of stuff and that really helped me. That was kind of music. I didn't show a lot of people. Like at the time I would just burn a CD or make a cassette and just give it to my friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still do stuff with Walter Willie. I put an album out with this Brazilian label, very tiny Brazilian label um, just now of Walter Willie stuff. And I love though. It's, it was just, it's just really helpful, therapeutic. It's like the Brazilian. I know I'm an alien. I okay. would think. Yeah, it's like an Oman alien in Portuguese, like shitty, like uh, very low fi produced, stuff, very lo-fi, yeah. four-track. Uh, not giving a shit how the song, you know, like you know, underproduced. You know, it's like it, everything is a song. Yeah, I love um, I love like four-track hiss. Me too. Yeah, I like tape. I, I really like the sound of tape and lo-fi fuzz, yeah. and I, you know, it's uh, I, I know it's a very it's an aesthetic that's very popular. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah, guided by voices, um, the Daniel Johnston stuff. Yeah. Well, you, uh, you did a cover, post. didn't you? Mystic Place did a cover. Oh, dude, yeah, far out, man. Yeah, was yeah. it? True love will find you in That's the right. end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I spotted that the other night uh, when I was doing my research. Hey, that was for a, a, a British compilation when Daniel passed. Right. I did one. Walter Willie did one for a Brazilian uh, compilation. Oh, right. So really? I'm on too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> devil evil that's right yeah that, that was a, that was a great band i'm um, still still going we in brazil so devil evil is how you would say it properly but we used to take the piss and we used to say devil avil okay <laughs> like like yeah. like a brazilian person wouldn't look at it and say devil evil they would say it wrong so it was kind of a joke yeah uh, but we're not it has nothing to do with devil evil it doesn't sound like iron maiden i would say it was very punky it was very influenced by Velvet underground we actually had three albums that were very like well produced like big studio albums and stuff and we played all over our state in brazil like and uh it was mainly active between 2011 and 2013 you know when we were trying to get the scene back going mm -hmm. and uh yeah that was that was a fun time yeah there is a there is a tv spot uh where i, I believe it's that band and it's some, some a brazilian music show 
that we did. Yeah, I'm just curious as to what that was. Yeah, that was a TV show. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. a proper proper TV show. Like, um, yeah, we just I don't even remember how we got on that. <laughs> yeah, we played some pretty decent gigs, and we were a very like we didn't have the whole band. We were like very low ambition band. You know mm. what I mean? And I believe that really worked for us because we we had no drive, and that's when like stuff actually happened. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, sure. And uh, but we were having fun mainly, you know, and uh, and it was a very loved band, and I love yeah. those guys. I, I I definitely will. Uh, I've got I've got the uh, I've got the album uh, in my in my in my list to listen to. Right. A long long list that's always getting longer. Yeah, same. Um, all right, the last one. Uh, Chakra Binaural Theta Waves Meditation Album. Oh yeah, I made that. Yeah, I made that in 2013 when I was getting into. I I was already meditating for two years, and I got into that um, binaural stuff. And yeah, I still do. I still use that kind of meditation, and uh, I just thought I, I can make one. You know, <laughs> so I went and I and I made this meditation album, and uh, yeah, it was a fun time. It was fun to make, and, and some people even asked me to. Uh, if they could make CDs out of it and sell it at their like yoga shop and stuff. Mm. So it actually went somewhere. And uh, yeah, I, I use my Kundalini yoga name. I, stu I studied Kundalini yoga with a yogi for a year at that time. And so it came out, I can't remember what it was. Sat Arda's Singh, that's it. Expect the supreme enjoyment double album. Ah, the supreme enjoyment double album. Yeah, that's not out yet. Yeah, where'd you get that? <laughs> uh, snooping around. Oh, dude. Uh, so that is, I recorded over the lockdown when I was doing that therapy. I was talking about that yeah. EMDR stuff. That yeah. has music on there that I that I wrote when I was like eighteen. You know, I was just going back through all, all my old tapes and. It turned into this massive project and, uh, and it's like got like, it's over an hour of music. It's like 30 songs or something and there's sound collage and there's these old songs and then there's new songs and it has like four different drummers on it, drumming in all parts of the world. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of my, the biggest, one of the biggest things I've ever done, you know, and, and it's been two years in the making. I think it's finally finished. Now we're at the very final stages of mastering and we're hoping to release it in at the end of, uh, I would say around September, October of this year, we're just working on like press and stuff. And yeah. um, it's all in Portuguese right. uh, because that's, you know, that's, yeah, that's what happened. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm lo really looking forward to putting that music out. It's just like a very personal project that, you know, like I'm not going to have any kids or anything. So like, you know, I don't, I don't care about shit like that like legacy or whatnot. Uh, I'm not that narcissistic like that, but you know, um, like if I were to leave something behind, it would be that just like, you know, this is, this is what I, this is what I did. I wrote these songs and there you go. Kind of thing. You know, I'm quite proud of those songs and it's sounding really good, like professional sounding stuff. It's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, um, almost like a, an opus, your, your magnum opus almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That was that moment when I decided to go back to using Lule. Yeah. Uh, which is my childhood nickname. And yeah. because those songs, those songs, a lot of them, they were in, these tapes and boxes my mom shipped this box full of cassettes for my old four track stuff and i just went back through them 
and I picked out songs out of them and I made these big arrangements for them. Yeah. And, and it's very connected to childhood. I was going through this during the lockdown. I did a lot of going into my twenties and my early childhood. And so I connected with, I reconnected with my name. And so that's where the Lule mental butter stuff. And that's all ready to go. We got the, the, the covers ready. My girlfriend, Flavia Felipe, who she's a graphic, she's an illustrator and she made the cover and, so I'm really excited about that, and uh, yeah. Well, anyway, she wouldn't. So it's about the, the the new album, The Adventures of Mental Butter, you know. <laughs> right, it's a lot of stuff, right? People listening are probably like, you know, I can't, I'm confused by this dude's, uh, uh, you know, I like thinking about it now. I think I just wish I just had kept it all under just like one name or something. But, you know, um, so, so this new one, The Adventures of Mental Butter, like, so I finished finally recording, mixing the whole thing with a double album. And I had an idea of, I thought like, I'm going to get back into gigging here in England and I need songs in English to, mm. to play here, right? And I had two songs that I think I wrote around the time of, the very best of Louis Bruno. Yeah. <laughs> and one of them was the song called Dodgy Friends, which is about like the, you know, you ever been to like Upper Holloway, Archway here in North North London? Not really, no. Well, if you go there, you'll see there's a strange mix of uh, people, <laughs> you know, like a lot of, uh, a lot of people out in the street, you know, causing all sorts of ruckus. And, you know, so it's a song about that and, you know, Dodgy Friends. And I had another song called Pest Control Man, I was going to ask you, who is that? Pest control man. So like I had rats. I, don't, I, <laughs> I lived in this flat in Archway for six years. Yeah. And it was a ground floor, floor flat. Right. And at some point it had rats and it was horrendous. I don't know if you heard the track. It really, it tells the, it tells the whole story. Oh, this is the whole album. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, righteous. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I had to ring the landlord and he, and he told me to, he was very like nonchalant. He was just very like, ah, whatever and just bring this pest control guy like and and use these massive like rats like i didn't see them but the guy told me the pest control man said they were like the size of like cats almost you know the humongous you know they're chewing on stuff in the middle of the night and you think like they're gonna chew on the wires and it's gonna like burn the whole flat down and, mm. and it was freaking me out and and i got this pest control man guy who you know the landlord agreed to pay for and in the end and he came and he just murdered these rats and they're probably dead on the walls now. It was oh. horrendous. And then I thought like, this is the last drop. I got to get out of this flat. And I yeah. moved to Crouch End. Um, so that's a song about that. These songs are very like about actual things, you know, grumpy, angry forever is about the guy lives below me right now. He's mm -hmm. probably listening. I don't know. Uh, he's very sensitive to noise. And, you know, I dropped my guitar once and he just starts banging on the wall. So if you listen to the song, there's banging sounds and, I feel like there's um there's some common ground here thematically with I'm an alien. Yes. You know, it's, they're, not, they're not too far away from each other, are they? They're never too far away from each other, but um, the stuff on Mental Butter I can get away with, but the I know I'm an alien stuff I kind of hide a little more because I feel like I reveal myself a little more in terms of like my sort of the things that really piss me off, if that makes any sense. Like I'm really having to dig at a lot of things and a lot of people. So I feel like if I put the, I know I'm an alien mask on, like I can really like, yeah, fuck everybody, you know, <laughs> but, but with the mental butter, it has like some more melodic passages and 
it's a little bit more well produced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, it's ironic, isn't it? You're wearing, you're wearing the mask, you know, I know I'm an alien, but you're kind of revealing maybe something a little bit more potent, a bit more true. Yes, that is correct. Yes. You the know? mental, the mental butter stuff is, is kind of is beating around the bush a little on some things. Yeah. <laughs> I would also go ask you, did you find the fridge? Dude, no, not yet, man. It's too dark, you know, like <laughs> in the middle of the night. That song is about that. It's like somebody, you know, you want a snack in the middle of the night and then eventually you find the fridge and then you eat and there's like all the sound effects of the dude eating mm. and then he does it again. And, you know, so it's a bit like I was listening to a lot of Zappa and, you know, like there's, I was probably listening to a song called The Dangerous Kitchen uh, by Zappa, like, which doesn't mean anything. I'm, you know, like, I, 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 I never listen to, I'm, I'm more of a, like, I prefer the music over words a lot in my stuff. Like the yeah. words, I probably only read the words to like Stairway to Heaven in my 30s. You know, I've been listening to that song for 15 years until I finally sat down and, whoa, is this what he's really saying here? You know, like yeah. I had no idea. So um, I believe like words, I know they do sort of guide the song and where it's going and usually i like to make it about some psychological thing that bothers me like you know i think too many thoughts or um i wake up annoyed you know and that, that those are both titles in this new song this new album and uh, we're making a video for a song for the song i wake up annoyed me and my actor friend richie brett from from newcastle so we're going to shoot oh, nice. video. yeah we we're shooting this video and it's going to be good so there's going to be a video for that 100 <laughs> percent My, my last question for you you know you've got this litany of bands behind you yeah what do you anticipate in the future you know what what do you well in the short term what have you got lined up uh but also you know <clears throat> do you ever do you ever consider what what side projects aliases bands versions of yourself are going to be coming up in the future you know yes Actually, I think it's finally after all this time, I'm narrowing it down to two things. So the mental butter thing, which is yeah. really mental butter. Yeah. And I know I'm an alien and they seem to sort of alternate. So I've been in the mental butter universe for the last two years, even if only an EP's only come. There's only an EP out to show at the minute, mm-hmm. but there will soon be in next month, this album with 10 songs and then a double album. So there's loads of stuff that I've been doing in, in you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, And so I've been listening to a lot of uh, sort of music with melody structures and things. So right now I'm in a very, I know I'm an alien headspace at this Mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. So the next, so I'm obviously going to, as I'm releasing the mental butter stuff, I'm going to be playing that music and see where, where that goes and what lands and what sticks and what people are into and see where that takes me. But um, I feel right now, I'm just, I was just in Porto with the other, uh, half of I know I'm an alien and he's mostly responsible for the visual side of things you know he's done the masks he plays bass in the live band I do most of the recording and and the writing of songs but um, and we've just we're on this trip like I, every time I go to Portugal like every the pace of life is slower and it's more laid back and and it's in as opposed to London which is like hardcore and you know mm-hmm. people chasing the machine and all that and uh, so I've, every time I come back from there, uh, I feel like, what the hell am I doing? You know, what, you know, what's the point? 
and I think about success and failure. So we have this project. I'm, I'm not going to actually say what it is, but it's something around that sort of vibe, like sort of like an anti-success kind of thing. You know what I mean? And um, uh, I'm getting into modular synthesizers and just collage, listening, going back to the residents and all that beautiful stuff. So uh, so they, they're kind of intertwined and I alternate between one, one and the other. And we're planning for next year, like uh, some, I know I'm in alien shows, nothing oh, this wow. year. I'll be there. Oh, hundred percent, man. Yeah. Even we want to play in Bristol. So now, oh, well, okay. yeah, now, that would be cool. So we want to do a couple shows in London, maybe Bristol and maybe another city and like in a period of a month or two, just do like three, four or five shows in, in England and then two, three shows in Portugal, which is where he is. Yeah. So he's got some instruments there and I got some gear here. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, so, yeah, sure. And then we might film those and make, you know what I mean? Make a little tour. Yeah. And wow, we'll play yeah. all these new things. Yeah, there is. And there's a, you know, on, just to end this uh, sort of I Know I'm an Alien thing. Uh, there's an album that I recorded in 2019, which I believe is the best I Know I'm an Alien album. And it has not been released yet. It was going to come out on vinyl. And then in the pandemic, the, the pressing plant shut. The label decided not to do it anymore. And then it might come out with an American label. It's, it's you know, that not available album by The Residents where... Oh, right, yeah. And they put it in a drawer and they, were, mm. and they only released it when they forgot about it. So it's something like that. So there's so I know my alien has a new project in the works and and an album that has yet to come out and mental butter is has two albums to come out and live shows so I'm gonna be pretty busy with those two things and and sometimes Walter Willie will you know peek in and I actually I actually have some music recorded by Walter Willie too yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a whole gang here there's a whole gang. I probably have like what they call what multiple personality disorder or something. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Yeah. yeah. But every time I put on a different mask, if you will, I make a different kind of music, but they're all connected. So there you go. It's a universe, isn't it? It's a, it's a, you got, you got, you, you set up your little universe and there's lots of different kind of uh, avenues within it. There's lots of different, you know, faces of it, you know, but it, but it's, it's, yeah. you can tell, you can tell it's, it's underpinned by a fundamental, uh, it's your sound, you know. You know. Yes, yeah. it's like all Zappa. me in the end. You like Zappa, exactly. Like, yeah, but he yeah. only had one band. He was just Zappa. No, he did release things as Zappa and Mothers of Invention, or Frank and the Mothers of Invention. But well, I mean, I just yeah, you're right. Like like there, there wasn't there wasn't too many bands, but just but just that kind of that thing of like a kind of a I don't know, just um, just just a, a just a universe that you can step into. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, yeah. for me, what music is and creativity is like, sometimes I find re reality very, like, even unbearable, you know, <laughs> like, and, 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 and the way I deal with it is like, I create these worlds that I step into, and I can live there. And I love being there. And when I'm making this stuff, I shut off the whole world, and I'm just there. And it's me and my songs, like I'm the king of this kingdom of which I created, like, I'm the king of my songs, in a way, you know what I mean? And, uh, I get to decide what stays and what doesn't. And uh, it's, it's, I, I love, I love that feeling of having an idea and seeing, cause I hear it in my head first and then, you know, to actually listen to it coming out of the speakers is a buzz. And yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to your, 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 the shows you got lined up. I'm looking forward to the albums coming out. I'm looking forward to your, your next sign that your, 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 
your greatest I Know I'm an Alien album. The pro- yeah. yeah, yeah. I uh, So that's all good stuff, man. And uh, I really enjoyed chatting to you. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, having uh, chatting music, waffling about music with you. It's been, it's been great. Well, thank you so much, Tom. You know, and I really enjoy the podcast and, and the work you're doing. And, you know, and uh, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun chatting about music with you and just, you know, and just hanging out. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me to come do it. Yeah, I loved it. On my father's grave. <laughs> There we go, mental butter. I loved it. Uh, always great to talk to somebody that loves what they do and loves their music and has a deep and rich, thorough understanding of music and the craft and music, you know. And uh, yeah, great. And, and also really interesting to hear his thoughts about, you know, the angler, the angler cultural English sensibility, the anglosphere, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, great stuff. Uh, it's uh, really great, really great to find a chat to him, you know, and the the, the, the man behind the masks of I know I'm an alien and all of the uh, and all of the sound interruptions that have made this podcast so special, you know, brilliant stuff. Um, do make sure you listen to the new album when it comes out, uh, the uh, the Adventures of Mental Butter, and keep an eye out for his double album coming out, uh, Supreme Enjoyment, and uh, and also keep an eye out for I know I'm an alien when they when they rear their uh, alien head. Especially everyone in Bristol. You heard it there. You'll be playing in Bristol at some point. So uh, do make sure you uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, and uh, come head to the captions. I'll have links to, to all of his all of his work and uh, his various social media. Uh, this has been great. Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, if you like if you like this and you like what, what I do, please do uh, uh, like and subscribe. Um, and tell your friends, tell everybody about it, spread it around, you know. Um, follow me on everything else, you know. I've got a radio show, I've got, you know, it's an online weekly blog where I review music or, or at least uh, present write-ups on, on, the, on the music that I'm, I'm enthused by and I think everyone else should hear. Um, yeah, this has been great. Um, if you if you you know if you've got any questions if you want to if you, if you want to reach out to me at all um, I'm uh, Tom at headsonsix.co.uk. Uh, once again, big thanks to Mental Butter for for uh, giving us his time. Uh, yeah, I've been head I've been Tom the head at Heads on Sticks. This has been the eighth episode of Heads on Six Chats. Uh, all the best, guys. And <laughs>